wanted to go on, uh, if I can, uh, with um, John's Gospel, chapter 10. Verse 10, you remember we looked at it. Um, we've looked at it on Tuesday and Friday. Um, And for, well, let's take verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus came in verse 10 uh, to give us life, and to give it more abundantly. And we looked at that life is speaking of Zoe life, that's God life. It's not speaking of natural life and more abundant life. And when someone's truly born again, they come into an experience where God indwells them, lives in them, and everything changes. Now, what we looked at on Friday, and it's most important to understand, is God is sovereign. And a lot of people like to take away the sovereignty of God and suggest that he's not. But Jesus said, well, look, I've come. I can lay my da life down. I can take it again. I've got the power to do it. I've got the authority to do it. Uh, God can do anything. He said, no man takes my life from me. Don't ever think that it was the Jews who crucified Christ or the Romans who crucified Christ. It was God's determinate counsel and decision. Man has nothing to do with it. And God is over all and in control of all. And believe it or not, he hasn't ever lost control. And that is one of the good things to know. Our God is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he never loses control of anything. Uh, faith looks beyond what you see into the reality of a God who's in control. Don't ever think that God will ever lose control. He won't. Why he works things out in the way he does to me and to you would be a mystery. God says his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts. And he has a way of doing things differently from what we expect. And throughout history, God has always shown himself as caring for his people. Jesus said, look, I've got sheep who are of another fold. And as I've said before, Jesus only ministered to the Jews. He said, look, I've only come for the Jews. And so when you look at anything pre-Calvary, it's only fulfilling the law 
and it's only fulfilling the prophets and what they spoke and remember I gave on Friday uh, an analysis of how you can always tell whether something's a true doctrine from Christianity or where it's false. First of all, you'll find it throughout the whole of Scripture. If you don't find the seed of it in Genesis and the truth of it in Genesis, if you don't find it appearing in the law in a figure and type and shadow, if you don't find it in the Psalms and you don't find it in the prophets, and then you go on and you don't find it in Christ's words when he walked on earth, and you don't also find it in the Pauline revelation, it's a false doctrine. If it's a true doctrine, it'll be in all, always. And that's what stops people taking a verse out of context and making these crazy doctrines up. So often you'll find someone gets one verse, makes out a doctrine, uh, and the basic reason is if it's not in the whole tenet of Scripture, it's false. Always examine everything and say, all right, where's it in Genesis? Where is it in the revelation of Moses? Where is it in the Psalms? Where is it in the prophets? If you can't find it there, don't believe it's a doctrine from God. It's not. Uh, and a lot of the errors in the modern church would be avoided if people would look at the whole of Scripture and rightly divide it. Unfortunately, uh, in uh, 1837 uh, came the idea where you abandon uh, the need for scholastic study. Uh, now, you didn't need to be taught along came someone who was bright enough to say you don't need education all you need is the Holy Spirit and he'll teach you and then in the revival in 1847 uh, to 49 it became um, which was the beginning of the Pentecostal movement that revival was the beginning and it came out of um, the holiness movement and they began to believe in the gifts and power of the spirit speaking in tongues out of it sprung the camp meetings and and uh, it was there that things started to go wrong and it was in 1856 of course that they they got an idea that hey uh, we can not only be sanctified by faith over a period of time which was falsely taught by Wesley but a revelation came to a woman whose name slips my memory at the moment, uh, that salvation's by faith, righteousness is by faith, not by works. The Wesleyans had got the idea of entire sanctification. Finally, it came down to the realization it's by faith, and that sprung forth the Pentecostal movement all those years ago. And very interesting, the thing that made, they all made a mistake on and right up in the 1880s, they, they made a mistake of saying, well, you know, uh, the church is now into the latter rain move, which was in 1880. And so they said, now what's going to happen is the church is going to take over government. The church is going to take over things. And, and so the Pentecostal movement had the doctrine of the second coming and the idea of God's kingdom coming so it was the gospel of the kingdom uh, that was brought forward as one of the main planks with justification by faith, uh, entire sanctification, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the church taking over and Christ's millennial rule coming. And the whole basis of it was the belief in that. And of course, it didn't happen. They believed it would, but it didn't. And I can't understand why they didn't look and see that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was of this world, my servants would fight. But it's not. And Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. I believe in a new heaven and a new earth, and I believe heaven's going to be rolled up as a scroll, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. 
This earth will be burnt with unquenchable fire, the scriptures say. Why? Because they trampled the blood of the Son of God. I don't believe this earth is fit for the sons of God. The whole creation groaneth and travaileth, Paul said, for the manifestation of the sons of God. I'll tell you what, there's going to be a new creation. We're a new creation. We're born from above, but I'll tell you there's going to be a new creation. I believe in it. Thank God for it. And guess who the government's going to be? The government's going to be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful. But I look for that which is to come. And you have to come back to Scripture and what Jesus says. Do you know, Jesus talks about a fold that you come into. And it's a protected place. And he said, look, I've got other sheep that are not of this fold, but they're all going to be one. And the church of Jesus Christ is a group of believers who are born from above, who come into life, who are different from the world. We live in the world, we're not of it, but we're in it. And we have different values, different standards, different hopes, different aspirations. But there's one thing for sure. You're not going to get everyone to be a Christian. And if you believe you are, you're wrong. Uh, if you believe everyone's going to get saved, that's universalism. I believe that there's vessels to honor and vessels to dishonor, even in the church. And so you have to always come down and look at things in perspective. You see, in perspective, in times of eternity, uh, it's not really relevant what's happening. It doesn't matter too much. The one good thing is that the times and the seasons are in Father's hands, not ours, and we're not given to know them. All we're given to do is to be faithful in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, telling people there's a God who loves you, who can heal you, deliver you, uh, give you new life, new hope, and he's real. Now you can either come into that life or you can live in rebellion against God. But God's not going to compel anyone. Uh, the idea of uh, social change by Christians is a nice idea, but unfortunately Christians aren't going to run this world. They really aren't. What they are going to do, they're going to be salt in the earth, they're going to affect things, they're going to annoy a lot of people, because they're there, and they're alive, and they believe. And you know, darkness hates light. Why? Because deeds are evil. And so we're in an alien environment. That's the way it always will be. If you want it to be different, I've got news for you. It will be when the last trump sounds and we're caught up to meet him in the air, uh, and then shall the end come. As far as I'm concerned, I'm premillennial. If you want to live through the tribulation, God bless you, I'll be gone. You enjoy it according to your faith. If you want to go through all the trials and the traumas, you do it. But as far as I'm concerned, I believe that we'll be caught up to meet him. Now, that's my belief. Uh, how will I prove it? Well, I'll tell you, there'll come a day when the trumpet sounds and you'll get left behind and then you'll know I was right. I'll be gone. Uh, and you'll say, well... It's in the Bible. It's in the book. And I, I really believe it. And, and I'm a great believer in it. And some people would say, well, come quickly, Lord. Well, he's, he, he doesn't need to uh, speed up because I tell you, when God decides to come, this idea of Jesus is coming soon is ridiculous because if he has decided to come, he'll be here already. Is that quick? And when he decides to end things, hey, I tell you what will happen. It'll come suddenly. My Bible says it comes as a thief in the night. Bang! It's happened. I'm not one of these people that believes the signs of the times. Jesus said, You won't know. 
you just won't know. So be ready. And it's not to put people in fear, it's just to say that's what God says, just the way it is. You know, he's a good God. He loves us. And do understand, you don't ever want to get uh, too involved in, in the world, because know this, people come and people go. Powers rise up and powers wane. You think they'll be there forever, and then they're forgotten in the rubbish bin of history. But God's word stands eternal and sure. And what God does is always true. You get people uh, stand up and they seem to be something. A few years later, where are they? Vanished. Uh, that is part of life, isn't it? But our Lord Jesus Christ is eternal and is a good God. And you can have total confidence in him. And that's where your confidence should always be. If you put your confidence in man, you'll always be sorely disappointed. Because man isn't worth trusting. Turn with me to 1 John uh, chapter 3. First epistle of John chapter 3. You remember in verse 14 it says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever have this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Uh, love has to be practical. I find a lot of people uh, have an idea of love, but one thing you'll know is anyone that's truly born of God loves those that are begotten of God. You can always recognize someone who's really in life. They're in love. They love the church. They love the brethren. They love the people of God. They find their identity with the people of God. Their nature is one with the people of God and their life is involved with the people of God. Anyone who says that he's a Christian and doesn't is a liar. Makes it quite plain. It says, whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. Now it's talking of brothers. It's not talking of the world. You're not part of the world. You're part of the church of Jesus Christ. You're part of the bride of Christ. You should know you've passed from death into life. You know it. And you know it because inside of you is a love for the people of God and the things of God. And your whole life is immersed in the things of God, not in the things of the world. Your whole drive is towards the things of God. If it isn't, I would suggest that you've never been born again. You haven't passed from death to life. You're still dead. And that is really um, one of the things that John makes so plain. He says, we know we've passed from death unto life because, what? We love the brethren. Uh, and that is one of the first things that happens. If that hasn't happened, forget it. You're dead. That's it. Uh, when the Spirit of God comes, that's the first thing. 
that happens. And you love the brethren. The brethren doesn't speak of the world. It's not this gooey, gushy, all love, love everyone. I don't love everyone. I don't love the things that are evil. I can think of evil things that just are appalling, and people do evil things. God so loved the world that he gave his son so that it could be a transformation. God doesn't love the devil. You say, well, God's love will reach out to the moment of decision, but don't have the idea that God is somehow a universal salvationist. He's not. That's humanism. It's not Christianity. There is a hell. There is judgment. There is everlasting fire. Whatever people want to say and however they want to exclude it, I want to tell you the God of love created those things too. Okay? If you want this goody-goody God where, um, hey, there's no judgment, there's no right, there's no wrong, there's no law, there's no, you can do what you like, I'm sorry, you're in for a big shock. Our God is a God of righteousness, a God of holiness. I, I can't divorce my God from holiness, righteousness, truth. Once you take that away, you've got a false God, you've got the God that's created in the image of man. Man would like to make God out to be something he's not. I had a, one person come to me and say, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in heaven. I said, well, you will when you get there. Just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean it's not there, does it? God has standards, and you can't ever deny the fact that our Lord God is a holy God. Our Lord God is true. He's a spirit of truth, spirit of righteousness. And don't ever get caught up. It's loving the brethren. I love those that are truly born of God. I really do. I find they're the people, you meet them, and you know them because they're alive in God. Their spirit's right, their heart's right, their life's right. Uh, and you can't help it because you're one with them. They're part of your family, you're part of their family. You're at home when you're with them. That's the secret of true life. And there aren't many places where you can find. I find wherever I go in the world, there are always those born of God, alive in God. Thank God for them. Thank God for the brethren wherever you go. You might not speak the same language, but the moment you meet them, you know. I remember when I was in Hong Kong, meeting a, a, an ex-Red Guard. He'd escaped from China. Lovely man. Had a little church down in the basement of one of these tower blocks in, in Hong Kong. But he knew God. He couldn't speak a word of English. But one thing was sure. The moment you met him, you knew his spirit and our spirit were one. He knew God. He was alive. And that's what counts. Love of the brethren. Anywhere. We're all going to spend eternity together. In John chapter 6... in verse um, 63 it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing the words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life Zoe, they're life they're life giving uh, and do always understand that life always comes from the word of God and you remember we looked at verse 47 verily verily I say unto you he that believeth on me hath 
everlasting life, that's eternal life. He's already got it. One thing you've got to understand, we've passed out of the realm of Satan into the life of God. We're already born. Turn with me back into 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5. Verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He said, I wrote these things unto you, that you... may know that you have eternal life. Well, what did he write? Look in the two verses before it, verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now, life is in the Son, and you can distinguish anyone can distinguish there is no name under heaven whereby men can be saved by the name of Jesus there is no other faith that brings a person to the true God that's it Christianity is totally and clearly about life the life of God and it makes very clear here that he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You can't have life outside of Christ. It doesn't exist. And John goes on, he says, I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Verse 14, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Life is in Christ. It's not in any other. There's no other name under heaven. If you need a miracle, there's only one God. His name is Jesus. Don't think there's any other name under heaven whereby you're going to receive anything. If you haven't got the reality of Jesus Christ living within, you are not in life. Life is in his son. And it's as simple as that. If you're not a Christian and you don't know Jesus lives in you, and you don't know the reality and power of a transformed nature and you don't know the power of an inward living God, and you don't know the love of the brethren, and you don't know the reality of a new nature and freedom from sin, you are dead. That's it. There's no half measure to say, well, I believe my sins are forgiven. So did the Jews. You're still dead. What makes a Christian is new life. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything's become new. If that hasn't happened to you, you're on your way to hell. Whatever way you want to slice the pie, if God does not live within you, and you can't say with Paul, I live, nevertheless not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, and you don't have his faith, his life, you are not a Christian. It's that plain. Okay? Hello? You don't have to die. You're dead already if you haven't got this. Is that plain? Don't ever get the idea. That came in the early, um, well, it came in the apostasy in about 
100 AD and you can go back and you can look in church history where the dark ages came from but know this for the last 200 years God has made it plain justification by faith without sanctification and without true redemption is no salvation at all you can't be justified unless you're born from above you must be born again just believing sins forgiven will not save you you must be born again you must have life and the life is in his son and he that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son hath not life is that plain can I make it any plainer I've met so many people they say oh well I believe you know I asked Jesus into my heart great you might have asked him in my question is did he come did your whole nature change your life change was the sin problem dealt with did you know new creation was your mind dealt with was your heart dealt with did you become someone you weren't born a new creation if that didn't happen you're on your way to hell say well I believe yeah well you'll believe in hell too hell's full of believers there won't be one person in hell who doesn't believe because everyone will have stood who goes to hell before the great white throne of judgment they'll all believe everything and King David prayed and he said Lord let me see the destruction of my enemies you'll find David standing behind the throne having a peep over the top saying hey I want to see the destruction of my enemies you know there's going to be a day when they're going to get cast into the lake I believe it hey I'm a believer you say well that's a very uncharitable thing not at all if people want to hate God and go against God and rebel against God there's only one place suitable for them not heaven let them join the one who hates God Satan and all his demons that's where they belong they'll be happy there and we'll be happy to be rid of them amen you know say well what about now well you preach the gospel to them if they don't want to repent and turn and clean up their act and live as God intends them to live well they're hell bound and socializing with them and trying to win them by friendship is not a very good thing to do friendship with the world will make you an enemy of God You know, external life isn't what counts. There's a lot of philosophies and, and in re- religions. They, they philosophize and tell you, oh, well, you know, society's got to change. And, you know, we've got the philosophy of the third way <laughs> and the philosophy of this and the philosophy of... I'll tell you what, no one has got the answer to life but Christ. no one that's why his kingdom's not of this world hmm? well our God tells us hey there's life only in one his name is Jesus he's the answer to every need and I believe in that I believe in the total sovereignty of God I always judge things by the word of God I'm not interested in judging them by philosophy philosophy and creeds they're useless Uh, there's lots of philosophies come Lenin started got Marxism you got all kinds of philosophies came along Confucius came along with philosophies all all countries have their philosophies and ideas but the truth is there's only life in Jesus Christ and it doesn't belong to the system of this world it belongs to the Word of God and we've got to be people of the word we've got to believe the word we've got to live the word we've got to understand we're members of the church of Jesus Christ and all we want to do is maintain our freedoms as best we can 
And when the Lord blows that trumpet and we're caught up to meet him in the air, won't it be great to leave this lot behind? Hey? What's it worth? If you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, what can a man give for his soul, said Jesus? I'm surprised how people sell themselves, as I said on Friday, for a little pot of money. You won't keep it. Useless. Who cares? Terrible. What will man give for his own soul? What has the devil given you to buy your soul? If you're susceptible, he will. He'll come along and he'll say, well, you know. Promise you things. Sell your soul for it. But I always look and say, hey, what about Christ? What about his principles? What about his life? What about his way? It's always a question. Turn back with me to John's Gospel, chapter 1. John 1. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in, on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now notice there's a condition how these people were born. Verse 13, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. You're not born of blood, you're not born of the will of the flesh, and you're not born of the will of man, you're born of God. That's why I find it so obnoxious when people come to me and they say, oh, well, I made a decision for Christ and I was born again. No. You might make a decision for Christ, but I tell you, if God doesn't birth you, your decision is valueless. If you don't have a true nature change, your decision means nothing. If God doesn't fill you with the Holy Ghost, I want to tell you, your decision means nothing. Because the Bible says, if you haven't got Christ, you are none of His. If God doesn't seal you with the Holy Spirit, flooding your soul, and you don't know the reality of his life within, you are not a Christian. And the idea of saying, well, I made a decision, I gave my heart to Christ, I asked Jesus in, does not count for anything. What counts is what God does. You're not born of the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of blood. You've got to be born of God. And today, the church has abandoned the sovereignty of God and the truth that God controls everything, and they've abandoned a realization of the holiness of God, and it's man doing what he wants, and he becomes his own savior. It's his actions. Well, if you were born of what you did, then it's salvation by works. Grace says it's totally undeserved, and grace makes it plain. You say, well, it says whomsoever will may come. So it does. It also says, Jesus said, no one can come to me except the Father draw him. I believe in the absolute sovereignty of God, and I believe in the absolute freedom of will. But I know to be born... Your will is nothing to do with it. 
because the Bible says so. I'm like Spurgeon. Spurgeon said it, I'll repeat it again. He said, if everyone who was elect had a yellow stripe painted down their back, he would lift their shirt tail to see who was elect. Because they don't, he preaches, whomsoever will may come, and the elect respond. I know this. I've seen people come out, give their hearts to Christ, cry, pray, and nothing happens. I've seen people come out dead cold, no emotion, come out the front, respond to God, and from that moment on, their whole lives are transformed. What made the difference? God. How? I don't know. In fact, I don't know much about it. I know the foolishness of preaching is all we've got. We preach, God gives the increase. That's it. Uh, can I explain it? Am I Calvinist? Am I Armenian? No, I'm a Calmenian and an Armenist. In other words, I'm both. I don't know. I can see both sides of it. But I always want to tell everyone God is sovereign. I want to emphasize the holiness, the omnipotence of God. I want to bring back to the church, travel all over the world today, is they think they can manipulate God. Well, I want to tell you, God's in control. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is the Lord. Not you, not me, not my will, not my prayers, he is. And I believe it needs to be restored to the church. We need to stop this nonsense of thinking we can somehow starve ourselves and God's got to do it. No, he hasn't. He'll do what he'll do, when he'll do it, if he wants to do it. And I believe we should be like Jesus. Jesus said, what I see the Father do, that's what I do. What I hear the Father say, that's what I say. That was the limit. He was free to do what Father wanted, but he chose not to do what he wanted. And he said, I've got power to lay my life down. I've got power to take it up. Father gave me the power to do both. I choose to do what Father wants. And that is the way a Christian's got to live. When you're born, you have free choice for the first time in your life. When you're born again, then you've got to choose what you do. And you're responsible. And you have a tremendous responsibility. And God will hold you to account from that moment on what you've done with your life. But you weren't born of your will, you were born of his. And the sooner you realize your will is, has got to be totally subservient to his, your desires subservient to his, be the day you become a Christian. Your values must be subservient to his. There are lifestyles that God says are unacceptable. That's it. It's not a matter of negotiation. It's not a matter of culture. It's not a matter of majority. It's a matter of fact. God says this is right, that's wrong. That's it. Not a choice. You can't just say, well, I don't agree with that. You might not agree with it, but you won't change God's mind. God said it's wrong, that's it. And we need to be those that understand when we live in the life of God, he takes control of everything. If you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, that's it. He's Lord of all. You've no right to any opinion of your own. This book is your only opinion. If you go against this book, you go against God. The Bible is the word of God. That's the only value you can have. Everything else is dependent on that. So, well, I don't like it. Well, go to hell. It's your choice. But God's God. 
In fact, he put in Romans just to help you. He said, well, how can the creature turn around the creator and say that why hast thou made me thus? You better learn. A little humility wouldn't hurt you. What God says is wrong is wrong. Amen? There's a way of living as a Christian. God said, if you don't live that way, you're on your way to hell. Don't call yourself a Christian and don't live God's way. We need to put in our society values and laws again, don't we? Hmm? The law of God and the values of God have got to come back. Got to say, this is right, that's wrong. End of story. This idea everything's acceptable? No, it isn't. Well, I tell you, if you're a Christian, this is the book. If you're a Christian, this is the way to live. Wonderful to have three children. Do you know, we never had teenage rebellion. I don't know what it is. In my home, my family, never one day did I have my kids in teenage rebellion. Why? Because they were brought up decent. Teenage rebels are indecent people. Never taught the law and principles of God. Never brought up right. In our school, we've never had teenage rebellion. I don't believe in it. Why the kids are bored up with values. Fancy teaching kids, oh, it's all right to go through a time of rebellion. Why? Then they'll rebel against God. It's wrong. Rebellions is a sin of witchcraft in my Bible. Wonder what it is in yours. Oh, well, it's just a stage they go through. Why? Only because you taught them to live like devils. Taught them to live decent with values, they wouldn't do it. And then they get born from above. And they can't do it. See, the, either we believe in the life of Christ and the reality of Christ's life, or we don't. Either we believe in the reality or we reject it. And I believe in it. And for our pains, we call right wing. Well, of course I'm right wing. I'm not on the wrong wing. I believe in doing what's right, not what's wrong. People want to live wrong, that's their lookout. Is that clear? Hmm? People say, oh, well, you know, that's old-fashioned. Yeah, I am old-fashioned. It's called 2,000 years ago when Jesus lived. I believe in his values, his standards, his life. If that's old-fashioned, great. When I was a kid, you could go to cinema on a Saturday morning for sixpence. You could sit there, you could enjoy it, the whole place would be filled. They, they weren't spraying graffiti everywhere. They weren't the violence. I remember when I was a kid, it, it, if there was a murder, it was kind of in the newspapers, it was a thing that was totally abnormal. Nowadays, and you wonder what's gone wrong. You could leave your doors open. People weren't coming in to steal everything. Uh, and you hadn't got to look after... I tell you, there was... And if you went down the beach and a kid got in trouble, parents, it doesn't matter who they were, an adult would come and help them. I'll tell you why. Today, you wouldn't dare. If you go and help someone who's in trouble, you'd probably get arrested by the police. What's gone wrong with our values? People said, oh, prosperity, get rid of crime. Huh. It's given thieves more to steal. Oh, 
get rid of deprivation and, and you'll get a decent society. People are better off today than they ever were. I remember when I was a kid, I couldn't even go and buy white bread. They didn't have it. I can remember the day we went to the baker for the first lot of white bread. Ration books. You couldn't go out and buy sweets if you hadn't got your ration book. Meat was limited. Hey, and do you know, in all the deprivation, in all the problem, the society was a million times better. Come on. The biblical standards were upheld. You went to school. You had a morning chapel. People were taught the word of God. They were taught to pray the Lord's Prayer. They were taught to stand for what was right. They were taught to respect elders. They were taught things. And today it's all brushed away. And people say, oh, well, you know, the fault is, you know, there's, there's deprivation. Humbug. We have to return to the values of our God. We have to say, hey, our God is good. Hmm? Right, life's gone out of everything. But God can restore it all for us, his people. And we're people who are born from above, life of God in us, values of God. And only those values will keep you in this day and age. That's what it's about, restoration. Either you're in it or you're out of it. You say, oh, it's just nostalgia. You think back. I tell you, you ask any old person over the age of 50. <laughs> any old person. 55 then. Okay, 57. Well, 58. You, you ask anyone up in their 60s. Um, <laughs> something so different. God return us. You know, it's amazing, but everything in, in our country was the law of God was the most important thing, the values of God. God's word is the only touchstone. God's truth, God's life, the only way. This book is the only guide. I love it, I treasure it. It's the only thing that counts. Amen. You must have Christ within. You must be born again. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. You must obey him. That is a calling. Let's all stand. lift our hands to heaven father I thank you that you know each need Lord we just thank you you always hear our prayers in the name of Jesus I curse every disease every sickness Lord and I ask you to send your healing power to these dear ones loose every fetter heal every part of their being Lord and let them come to life as it is in you I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen? Amen. Is that simple?